I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, my name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm Jenny Rooney, and I'm so thrilled to be here today with Tiffany Zhang Yu Wang. Um, Tiffany is the CMO of OpenWeb, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. Uh, we're going to dive in, and, and Tiffany, welcome. Thank you, Jenny. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We, uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you know, I've known each other for a little while now, but um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you in the context of uh, the new Marketing Vanguard podcast, which is really where I talk to marketing decision makers and really sort of have you each identify key decisions you've made, choices you've had to make, uh, and the, the things you're implementing to really drive business growth, even as you're focusing on brand and brand building and engagement with your audiences. So I'm super, super excited to get into this conversation with you. You are an incredibly smart marketer. Um, I've been so dazzled by sort of how you think about the practice and how you think about marketing leadership. And so I'm thrilled to have you here today. So let's dive in. I mean, I think one of the first questions I want to ask you is so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Um, you know, so so much today is all about optics and what we share externally and the things that, you know, might be summarized in a LinkedIn profile. Tell us something about yourself that uh, nobody would know based on looking at your socials or your external bio or anything that you present to the world. First of all, thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you for having me. And uh, respect is uh, fully shared. I love what you're doing at Awake. Um, so thank you, thank first you. of all. So two things I think folks cannot find on my LinkedIn profiles. Uh, one is that I'm actually a trained sommelier. 
So I love wines. Wow. And more importantly, I love sharing wines with my friends. So my favorite thing to do is to host a dinner party and to pair the great minds, diverse minds around the table, just like I pair wine with food. I always believe that when beautiful minds and people together, magic happens. Uh, another thing is that I'm a competitive sailor. So oh my gosh. I learned a lot, a lot about leadership, about teamwork, and about crisis management on the boat. And, um, and it's also often the moments of zen and inspiration for me. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. And I would imagine a glass of wine on a boat would be oh, yeah. <laughs> the best mashup of all. So I love that. Um, we, 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 do drink, we do drink rum uh, at the end of uh, okay. uh, the sailing. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Uh, I love that. And a good story comes after that, a little bit of the rum drinking, I'm sure, uh, as you continue Absolutely. to hang out with your friends. Um, what would you have been if not a CMO? And we're going to get into sort of the focus on, you know, the concept of being a CMO today and sort of how uh, CMOs need to be business growth drivers within organizations in a second. But, you know, had you not chosen that path, what would you have been? I've always thought I would have become a diplomat growing up. I grew up in China. I was fascinated by the the region of uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. So I did all my education, all my trainings, you know, to be a diplomat. But I often say that life makes more choices for you than you make for life. Mm -hmm. And I ended up using uh, the geopolitical insight and knowledge to become an investor in Sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia. And today, I would say a lot of skills in diplomacy come very handy to uh, to ensure my leadership style to be empathetic, to be creative. Um, and uh, yes, if uh, I'm not a CMO today, I would have uh, I would have become a diplomat. I would say that's amazing, and I I love what you just said about you know uh, creativity, and I think there's so much um, I think there's so much the next generation of of would-be marketing leaders um, need to know about this practice and about leadership in this area that might not be taught in the classroom. And it's through people like you who share, you know, your personal stories and sort of your personal strengths and how you blend them all together to do what you do so effectively. Um, that is so incredibly valuable. So that's why I love that we're having this conversation. Yeah, you're right. I think the versatile backgrounds are really important to shape how a CMO can be and how creative the CMO can be. And I always believe that different paths can lead to this position. And the key is to know the strength you have and then tie your strengths to the company goals in your role. But to your point, I don't think it has to be necessarily taught in school. Um, but as long as someone has the passion for this row and growing to row. I think there's so many paths that can lead to this row. Yeah, I love that. And I've in previous work I've done, it, it has been exploring multi, the diverse back educational and experience backgrounds that in that when you look at sort of the look across the 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 line of of CMOs who are highly innovative and influential positions, you know, 
that taking a step back and looking back at sort of their previous experience or their educational backgrounds, it's fascinating to see so much diversity in that. And I think totally. I would hope to only see more diversity in backgrounds as we move forward, um, you know, to drive effectiveness and success in the role. So super exciting. Absolutely. Um, anything else, you know, other things you learned earlier in your life that have, that inform now what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yes. So I grew up in China. There is a Chinese proverb. I always say to my team, especially in today's bear market, I can, you know, repeat to my team every single day, uh, a crisis is always an opportunity in the disguise of danger. So literally the the word crisis in Chinese is composed of two separate characters. One is danger, the other is opportunity. Mm-hmm. So so I think that is really imprinted in me. I think every time when we see something goes wrong, and if you leverage that opportunity to discover where you can fix the operations, what data you can get to actually optimize operations to come out even stronger and then find the right talents to actually fix the problems, you actually can create the operational longevity. So I think that principle really goes a long way in my everyday work. And another thing that my dad told me when I was very little, that he said that, you know, in Tiff, we only live 30,000 days. That's about 90 years old, right? So so if you think about that, 30,000 days are not a very, very long um, period of time. So I think it's okay to fail, but it's not okay for not trying. So I think mm-hmm. that also helps me every day to make decisions, you know, how you balance risks um, and rewards um, and then make sure that you... You surround your decisions with the right people, right resources, with the calculated risks, but make the best bet you can. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I feel very inspired because and I'm sure everybody (laughs) listening does, because, I mean, this is we're living in very challenging times. I mean, there's so much uncertainty, um, so much uncertainty. And sometimes the challenge can be overwhelming. Right. And sort of mm-hmm. figuring out the path forward. But um, I love what you said about like get a hold of the data or get a hold of the information that you need, at least at least something to, to guide you. And I and I love that, you know, if you f- failure is not trying, period. So I love that. And I think we're, we're going to see, you know, people have to continue to try and we have to continue to find new ways of breaking through and and. Um, and garnering success. And I think marketers obviously are um, dealing with a swirl of that right now and always have been, you know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. this narrative that marketers are, are, you know, CMOs are struggling or it's challenging to be a CMO or the role itself continues to transform. Listen, that's been happening for decades, you know, so I think it's just the forces might be different and yes. um, things that are happening in our world might be different or things that are happening among consumers or obviously technology might be different, but there's always been forces, right? So it's just, absolutely. so yeah, it's exciting. And I think that that's why I'm inspired by your point of view, but I think it's that kind of point of view that's so necessary, especially to be in a marketing leadership role um, these days. So um, the next question is around, you know, I personally played soccer my whole life growing up and it's just a sport that I love. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it informed 
being on a soccer field to me is like a metaphor for life. You know what I mean? You're you're with a team. Mm-hmm. You're moving in, a, in one direction. You have an end goal um, that you're that you're working together towards. Um, so my question to you is, you know, you're on a soccer field in your in your current role as CMO. Are you the striker? So are you up at the front trying to score those goals? You know, do you play at midfield, sort of kind of, you know, holding the base? Um, or are you back at defense, you know, defending the goal so that the other team doesn't score? Um, and are you on one side of the field or the other? So I'll let you answer that as you wish. Yes. When I was younger, I always thought I would be a striker. And it's often the first impression people got from me too. But in reality, if you work with me closely, most of people would think of me as a fixer. So in other words, is they actually can put me in any position on the field. And I think we just talk about the versatility. Maybe it was because my background as investor or as a diplomat, I truly appreciate that the, the value as a CMO uh, to be versatile um, because at the end of the day, we are a business leader. We have to, we really have to spot the trends of the external forces, but also internal forces to understand where are the gaps we can best fit in. And I think that contributes to the longevity of the CMO role as well as the business leader. So I would say today I've become more versatile to play on different fields. Um, today I can actually focus on CMO role and um, tomorrow I can help sales more to drive the revenue side. Um, you know, another day I actually can look into the engineering, the tech and product to help them, um, you know, to reshape the organizations based on the inputs I have from the market, right? So, but I think there's no way to look at your question. I want to say that I, um, if I have to choose a role, I want to be a franchise owner of the soccer team. Interesting. Oh, very interesting. I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so the reason being that, you know, I play in the space of, uh, of digital trust and safety and, um, and the new wave and new model, like mo- the model of advertising. So a lot of, a lot of, um, what I do and how I think about it is how we actually reshape the blueprint of advertising, where we actually can put digital trust and safety at the core of strategic growth rather than an afterthought. And it, it isn't easy because digital trust and safety was an afterthought. It was a cost center and it was worse than insurance policy. And in the last decade or so, it was never a priority on top of advertisers' mind. So how we flip the script, how we elevate the conversation, how we define what good looks like so that CMOs and CROs, those budget owners who actually spend money in advertising can truly put digital trust and safety in their OKR in the top, on their top priority list. And that is that is reshape the game in a way. So if I could choose, I want to be a franchise owner for soccer. Team. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love I love that answer. I want to ask yeah. you real quick a, a kind of a um, a follow on to what you're saying. OpenWeb is a B two B marketer. You're 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 marketing to other businesses. Talk a little bit about your perspective on 
you know, we've always talked long about, you know, B2C and B2B are merging in, in practice and, you know, one's borrowing from the other in terms of strategy and, and go to market. Um, you know, there are other camps that say that they're very, they're vastly different, you know what I mean? And there's a, there's a real art to, um, B2B that's vastly different than B2C. I personally am seeing a lot of incredible innovation, creative innovation coming from B2Bs. And I feel like there is, um, you know, we're kind of entering a new era of, of that kind of creative innovation and even creative advertising coming from the B2B set. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. I tell you an anecdote. November last year, I was at um, a CMO event and was many CMOs, but majority of the group were B2C. CMOs. And then I was kind of the minority in the room. And then the the most talked topic was how to prove ROI is a B2C marketer because a big portion of spend goes into brand, the brand marketing, right? And I think it was the biggest struggle for most of the B2C uh, CMOs. And, and related to that is how to work with CFOs. And I was sitting in the room and I was discussing with folks on the panel. It was shocking to me um, this takeaway from the majority of the group of CMOs. But I think when I think about it afterwards, it makes completely sense. For B2B CMOs, it is a given that you have to prove ROI every single step forward. The alliance with CFO is a given is you can't simply get your budget without proving the ROI, which is actually a tricky part. How would you be able to prove ROI before you even have a budget? It's a chicken mm-hmm. and egg, right? Mm-hmm. So we are trained to, to speak and talk in data. We're trained to speak um, in funnel analytics, in channel analytics. So, so, but the flip side is a lot of the B2B companies, you've never heard about them until they IPO'd. You might even not hear about them after they get IPO'd, they're big enough, because historically B2B businesses, enterprise, um, especially enterprise softwares, we, we didn't invest enough in brand marketing. Right. So, so, so after that kind of gathering, I spent a lot of time with B2C, CMOs learning from them about the brand marketing practices and vice versa, share with them how I convince CFO to give me even double the budget in the spare market, right? And how I actually approve ROI. So so I think the takeaway from that is I think people usually divide the demand gen from brand. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, you have to unify them. And they, mm-hmm. they, they are together. When you enhance the brand, you open top of the funnel. And when you actually drive the funnel, you actually can leverage the bottom of the funnel, such as the referenceability to further the brand. And it's a circle. It's not two separate areas. And it's very important to realize that when you talk about convergence of the B2C marketers, what they struggle and what B2B marketers will we struggle. But I think if we collaborate more and understand our strengths more from each side and we can present a better practice for this, for this discipline overall, that brand and demand should go hand in hand. Um, last thing I would say is that uh, at the end of the day, whatever CMOs do, 
just like any other business leader, we have to hold ourselves accountable for the enterprise value. So every single board meeting, I start with one single slide. And it's the same slide every single board meeting. I want to imprint that bill in my board members, my investors' mind that I care about their investment. I care about enterprise value. And those are the four levers that I focus on. So I can share a little bit with you. So on, on, the, on the left side of the equal size enterprise value, on the right side, which is a function, a function of four factors. The first factor is the base. You know, as a CMI, I want to know how I can expand and lend my ideal customer profile. And that is actually supported by product marketing, which is the, one of the discipline, you know, in, in, in my org. The second is, as sales and the product are focused on product market fit, it's my job to focus on channel product market fit. So that is how I identify the most effective channels. Uh, to drive the products to the hands of the customers. So that's everything about demand and account-based marketing. And the third is the velocity, the sales velocity. So how fast I can go through the channels and get to the customers. Then that's the, all the lifecycle marketing. And the fourth factor is how repeatable this can be and how scalable that can be if you talk about if you can have the longevity of the business. And all of those factors need to be measured um, and those operations need to be run with data to really drive the statistic significance that when a company grow, you can say everything you say was true, right? So, so, so I always start that single slide with investors to make them understand whatever marketing operations I run, it contribute to one of the factors that drive enterprise value. And of course, all of those can be effective if you have a single media narrative and single brand identity. So that governs mm. every single thing, which under product marketing, ABM and lifecycle marketing. So that was a little bit, um, you know, tip I share with a lot of CMOs is start your, start your board meeting telling them that you care about ROI and that's how it is reflected in your operations. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great advice for anybody listening to. That's that's amazing. Um, and it leads into my next question, which is around um, you met. You know, I, I'm obsessed with the concept of collaboration. Like nothing in this industry works in a silo. You know, there have there has to be connectivity and collaboration across the board, whether it's internal or external, um, to be a successful marketer. How do you think about that? And specifically looking internally. Um, you know, who are your best collaborators, your best collaborators? I mean, who inside your company do you, do you reach out to? Do you feel like you need to be in lockstep with? Yeah, I would say all the C-suites in the executive team and my direct reports, of course. But in this bear market, my most frequent collaborator is the CFO. Because being in lockstep with him, um, allows me to not ensure that I have the budget to do the right thing, but also force myself to be accountable of the decisions I'm making. And then that cascade to my working relationships with product, technology, sales. But starting with that conversation with CFOs in this bear market is critical. Yes, and 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 the good outcome of it is 
you know, we were able to almost double the marketing budget for this year, right? And 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 because because a collaboration with him that he understands the ROI that we have already proven and the, the new budget we need to double down what worked. Because mm-hmm. I do believe in bear market is actually an absolute opportunity for brand to shine. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. What uh, you don't seem like somebody who scares easily. So I'll preface this by saying that. Um, but what does scare <laughs> you as a business leader? I mean, what what do you um, what do you do to overcome those fears? Because everybody yes. fears something. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, my husband says I don't deal with very well with boredom. Seriously, like, you know, I really just don't deal very well with boredom. So the, the thing I'm the most scared of is being out of touch with emerging technologies. Interesting. Uh, because I think we are the ears and eyes on the ground for the company to avoid being disrupted. So it's very important to, to be aware of what the new technologies out there, but also spot the opportunities to collaborate and partner with new technologies to fast track our growth. So, so I think as a CMO, you know, I strive to be as well versed as CTO in the emerging technologies, even though I don't need to code everything, but, uh, but I need to share my insights with him, uh, what I see. And I think that's, um, that's very important to me. Um, and another thing is related to the specific industry I'm in. Um, as a CMO, I think we take the responsibility to drive ethical practice. Mm-hmm. So I think today we talk more and more about ethical by design um, for sustainable business. And I think a CMO is responsible um, for a lot of decisions to shape that. So I think another thing I'm scared of is not talking enough about it in my company mm. or mm-hmm. in the industry because we are the best communicator, supposed to be the best communicator supposed to, yeah. in, in the boardroom and in the C-suite. So if we don't repeat how important it is, ESG would just be a nice talk, but never become a real thing. Yeah. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I mean, that 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 sort of... Um the, the re- responsibility that you have on you to, to make sure the company stays on track and having that sort of North star in everything you do is so key and, and, and so strong. And so, I mean, that is a huge responsibility 
um, as CMO. Obviously, you know, creativity is so core to the people who lead marketing in organizations. I mean, having a creative mind, and I don't mean in, in the, there's many ways to define creativity, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. there's problem solving creativity, there's uh, communication creativity, right? I mean, there's a million ways to define that. Uh, certainly in, in marketing, I think people default to advertising creativity, right? And thinking about the yeah. external manifestation of brand. Um, but where do you find inspiration for your creativity and for your ideas? Because, I mean, there's so much in life and just the exposure that that we have as people, Um you know, to other sorts of uh, creative thinkers and sort of manifestations of creativity that that can inform and inspire. So where do you find that inspiration? Yes, for me, it is related to the path I took to get to where I am. Just as we discussed, I think there's so many paths to land on this row. And for me, I spent many years in Paris so it became a habit to visit museums because there are just too many museums and too many galleries. So it become part of the habit. And I find, I find it's a very therapeutic um, way to introspect on what I'm doing and get exposed to the new ways of thinking of the world. So I spend at least, I go to museums or galleries at least four times a month, like a very minimum. Yeah, and I feel that when you see how artists shape the world and then how they describe the problems you also experience from different ways and um, mediums, and I think it's a, often will spark an idea for me to say, hey, you know, why don't I do certain things differently in a new way? And, um, and I think another thing, Another source of inspiration is simply people. I always feel that it's never my in, my intentional decisions in my life which contribute the most to who I am today, but the people I met along the way. Somehow they said something on the way and opened my eyes and said, oh, why I didn't think about it. And so I really value the source of inspiration from different people, really different backgrounds. So I will, I, I, I intentionally spend a lot of time with diverse backgrounds. So that includes AI researchers, founders, because my, I'm a geek by, at heart, but I also spend a lot of time with artists and creative directors and to see how they think about the same problem in a different way, usually around a, you know, dinner table, as I mentioned, I love hosting the dinners. With good wine. <laughs> With good wines. So I find they are, they are a good source of inspiration for me. And I will end um, this answer on one thing that one statistician told me. So I had my, um, I had my statistics degree, and I find it's, mathematics is usually a very good way to think about a problems overall. Um, he said in the machine learning, you there's a difference between local maximum and the global maximum. So the local maximum is you use all the information you already know and you can get a hold of to optimize the operation. And um, the global maximum is you threw a random dart somewhere mm-hmm. and to actually optimize um, the whole operations and ideally have a global maximum. And I think it's, it's very revealing to me Think about everyday work. What we do is we optimize what we know with what we know. 
you can't get global maximum by doing that. So you have to do a random dart somewhere. And I think, you know, borrowing the inspirations from very diverse, diverse backgrounds uh, is a good way to do that. I love, love, love that. It ensures that you're going to have success in some regard um, when yeah. you take that, that course. Um, every day as a CMO, you're making decisions, right? I mean, there's forks in the road every single day um, that you show up for work. Making decisions is, uh, is obviously core to any business leader. Um, and it's just foundational. And they're, they're, they're decisions that just change the trajectory of a business, um, as a CMO, you know, what is one decision share with me? Cause there are a million, but what's one decision you've made that has had the most significant ripple effects for your business? Yes. Across all the companies I work with, I find the one single most important thing that has the most ripple effect is hiring, mm-hmm. hiring the right people. And train them, grow them, evangelize for them is almost a solution to everything. Mm. You know, there are many other practices I can mention who can have ripple effect, but I think it always comes down to hiring the right people yep. to, to solve the problem you identify. Yep. The name of this podcast is Marketing Vanguard, and it's intentionally, that word was chosen intentionally because the, the literal definition of Vanguard is a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas. Um, what's an example of a development or an idea that you've had that has led the way for your company or for your industry? Yes. So I joined Open Web in August last year. So Open Web is a community engagement platform that helps oversell the publishers and the brands to build their own communities. So we do that by safeguarding the subscribers and users of the communities, doing content moderation, as well as building the first-party data to shape this, the social and the intent graph so that the publishers and brands do not need to rely on what gardens and then start to do the monetization in a more sustainable way. So if you think about that, the business has three components you have safety of first-party data monetization. It's very, very hard to explain to people that's all things we do. So, so one thing I have already done before Open Web um, and continue doing at Open Web is to really shape the societal awareness of how we actually can drive advertising and engagement in a more ethical and people-first way. So in September last year, so I launched and coined the concept of community economy with the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. Because what I believe is we talk a lot about Web3 and a creator economy, but we should ask how do business innovate given that environment? Because creator economy is talking about creators, but what business can do with that? I think a thousand percent. Could not agree more. Yeah. yeah. So I think it really ends on the flip side of the coin of the creator economy, the community economy. So I think I launched that concept and really evangelize that concept and flip that script in the market about for any business to sustain the growth, you need to think about a Maslow pyramid, just like for human beings. You need to cover the safety. 
you need to build actually your own first party data. And then only after covering the basis like this, you actually can diversify your engagement. So I think this, uh, this narrative and the path that we offer under that concept allow our customers and allow the industry to think more about what actually business can do, you know, mm-hmm. in the so-called creator economy. I love, love, love that. Um, Tiffany, I have one more question for you. Um, what we like to do with this podcast is, is, is play it forward, pay it forward or, or kind of bat, pass the baton, if you will. And so I'd yeah. love to use this as a chance to ask you who's next, you know, who, who would, who should be the next um, CMO or industry leader that you recommend we interview for Marketing Vanguard? Yes, I have two names on top of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not CMOs, but I think mm-hmm. those are the two people that CMOs should, the, the roles that they represent are 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 what CMOs need to collaborate with more often. Um, one uh, is Barry uh, Markov, uh, uh, Markovitz, uh, Barry Markovitz, who is the EVP of Marketing Excellence Center for one of our uh, investors' insights. Um, cool. Yeah, so I find often the leaders like Barry who really hold ourselves accountable in terms of the marketing operations, and we can always seek their help to really benchmark our metrics. So when you have that straight line and with, uh, when you have that alignment with key stakeholders within investors and, and, and you are able to actually have the board support and you can, you are able to run the operations, um, you know, with the support from both investors and your C-suite uh, peers. Uh, another person is Lisa Charlotte. So she is uh, the co-founder of Extraordinary Woman on Board. Mm-hmm. So, so we talk a lot about board matters and how we make sure that women are on the boards. But I think the sharing with her allows me to, to, to take a board member view when I look at my role. It's almost like if I sit at the other side of the table, what what would I expect from the CMO? And only by doing that, um, I'm able to actually deliver what actually the board wants. So I think um, I, you know, I really encourage the all the CMOs in the market to really build that allyship and the relationship with the key marketing operating partners in in the investors groups, as well as, you know, um, stay in touch with the industry organizations like Lisa's about a woman on board or um, any board associations so that CMOs can take the board member view when they look at their own operations. I love that. Uh, Tiffany, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me. It's been wonderful talking with you as always. And thanks for being part of uh, Marketing Vanguard. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios.
You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.